I'd like you to meet Scotty. People who knew him fairly well, they would say often Scotty could be very difficult. He'd been that way since he was a child. People usually said that after some frustrating encounters with Scotty, but most of the times they were just stating a truth that seemed impossible to change. Scotty's mom took him to church as much as she could when he was a child, but she was a small woman, and when he decided not to go, she could not force him. As an adult, Scotty married a lady who attended church, and he came with her sporadically, but he would never commit to God. His job involved a lot of travel, and his tendency to be difficult just continued. Finally, around 63 years old, Scotty had a stroke. That stroke brought him close to death and left him confined to a wheelchair. And now he was dependent on everybody else's help. And due to his wife's poor health, she couldn't lift him or care for him like she needed. So Scotty began living life in a nursing home. Fast forward to 2014. Kendall and LaVon felt impressed by God to start visiting somebody from the church who was there in the nursing home. And during one of their visits, they were introduced. Yeah, you guessed it to Scotty. He had grown up in the same town as Kendall, so they had something in common. And during that introduction, Kendall recognized Scotty. He had no idea Scotty, the difficult Scotty, was living in that nursing home. In early 2015, God began to deal with Kendall about buying a van so he could bring people who were persistently asking for rides to church. Once he purchased the van, two men wanted to go to church, and Scotty was one of those men. Now he was 68 years old, and Scotty rolled through the doors of a spirit-filled, spirit-led church and was flooded with memories of attending church as a child with his mom. Scotty no longer hid from church. He, he waited eagerly for Sunday to come. And in 2017, two years later, Scotty was fidgety at the end of his service. When the preacher gave the invitation to come and pray in the altar, Scotty took off in his wheelchair for the front. And a short time later, he looked up at Kendall he had a smile on his face, and he declared with a loud voice, I got it. I got the Holy Ghost. In 2018, after some pretty careful planning, six men lowered Scotty into the trough in the front of the church and baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ. His mother's prayers had come to pass. God had saved her difficult son, Scotty. And almost two years later, on January 11th, 2020, at 73 years old, Scotty's fear ever since he was a child of being left behind was eternally quenched when his Savior came to take him on his final ride home. Thank God for his amazing grace toward Scotty and toward all of us. And we're going to hear a little more about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. So glad you're back with me today. I am L.J. Harry, your host, and you are listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Companion means we have a student guide to follow along if you are somewhere you can read it. If you're driving, by all means, you keep your eyes on the road and I'll read it for you. 
Today we are looking at lesson dated October 24th, 2021, and it is entitled, It Will Come to Pass. And we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 26. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. What a promise that would be. Well, on the eighth day of their new son's life, Joseph and Mary, yes, that Joseph and Mary, followed the law of Moses and had Jesus circumcised. According to the University Press Bible background commentary, it was common for circumcision to happen in the home by the father with family and friends gathered. The birth of a son was important. It was a celebrated event because it ensured the family's lineage would continue And at this celebration, Joseph and Mary followed the angel's instructions and named their son Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And when Mary's time of purification was finished, the little family traveled to Jerusalem to present Jesus at the temple. And Joseph and Mary made their way to the specified place, the prescribed place where Mary would be purified and Jesus would be presented to God as their firstborn son. This may sound similar to our practice of dedicating children to the Lord. How does Jesus' presentation in the temple parallel that practice of dedicating a child? It's interesting to note they did not have Jesus baptized because he was just a child and unable to make that choice on his own, but they did present him to the Lord. Now, specific instructions surrounded sacrifices whenever a woman had a son in the Jewish culture. We read those in Leviticus chapter 12, and allow me to warn you, they're extremely specific and extremely personal. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. On the eighth day, the boy's foreskin must be circumcised. I told you it's very personal. These are the instructions for a woman after the birth of a son or daughter. If a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her and she will be ceremonially clean. That's Leviticus 12 verses 1 through 3 and 7 through 8. Now if the son was the firstborn, there were more requirements. The firstborn of every animal belongs to me, including the firstborn males from your herds of cattle and your flocks of sheep and goats. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. No one may appear before me without an offering. Exodus 34 verses 19 through 20 in the New Living Translation. We also see this practice of redeeming a firstborn son referenced in Exodus 13, verse 15, and Numbers 18, verse 15. This was not a request. It was a requirement. God did not allow, he did not condone child sacrifice as other pagan religions required. Instead, he required the child to be redeemed. This was a powerful moment in history. Joseph and Mary went to offer a sacrifice to redeem their firstborn son who would not be like any other son. He would be the Messiah. And when they stood before the priest, they followed the law. They redeemed their son. They redeemed the one who would redeem us. 
And that's pretty remarkable. In Hebrew culture, the temple was the place where God dwelled. For the community to communicate with God, they had to go to the temple. They made sacrifices through the priests. They brought their offerings. They repented, purified themselves and their children. They spent time in prayer there. The temple represented the place where heaven touched earth, where God's realm connected with the human realm, where communication between God and humanity took place. After Jesus came as this ultimate sacrifice to redeem humanity, the temple changed. No longer did God's spirit dwell in the temple. No longer was there a specific place where heaven touched earth. But now, thank God, he began pouring his spirit into humanity. And we still bring sacrifices to the Lord, but they're not pigeons and turtle doves and bullocks and rams and lambs. But then what sacrifices should we bring to the house of the Lord? Give you a clue. The psalmist says a a contrite heart. The New Testament tells us we bring the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Our sacrifices are spiritual and they come from our heart as opposed to sacrifices we carry with our hands or drag behind us in a cattle trailer. When we want to be led by the Spirit, the question arises, how do I know if God is speaking to me? God spoke to Simeon and told him, you will not die until you see the Lord's Christ. Simeon was familiar with the voice of God. What about you? It may take time to become familiar with the voice of God, the different ways he speaks to us. In this process of being Spirit-led, we must remember that God will not lead us in a direction contrary to Scripture. God speaks through His Word. He speaks through the Scriptures to give us continual direction. We will never grow to the place in our walk with God where Scripture is irrelevant. God's Word is true and always comes true. Several ways God speaks. He speaks to us through our devotion and our prayer time, speaks to us through the Word of God that we read, speaks to us through the Word of God we hear when our pastor or preacher is preaching the Word of God, speaks to us sometimes through song, speaks to us as we just go throughout the day and we think on Him and meditate and He'll speak. How does God speak most often to you? I don't know how God told Simeon. Maybe He told him audibly. Or maybe He told him as He read the Scriptures and the scrolls. But there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Simeon knew the Messiah had been prophesied hundreds of years earlier. And now the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would see the Christ with his own eyes. That meant everything. To practically every Jewish man, that meant everything. Simeon had no idea how God would bring this to pass, but he trusted God that he would make it happen. And when the time came, all Simeon had to do was be obedient to the leading of God's Spirit. And God's Spirit directed Simeon to go into the temple courts, which tells us he had been living a life in tune with the Spirit and listening for the voice of God. That day came, he saw the Messiah He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory 
of your people Israel. Luke chapter 2, verses 28 through 32 in the New Living Translation. Simeon was confident in the voice of God. He was confident that he had just held and beheld the Messiah. And now he could die in peace since God kept his word. Then he went on to declare aloud who Jesus was and prophesied to Mary. He knew the good that was to come, but he also understood destruction would come for many who let the sin of pride and power rule in their life. The great gift Mary held would also cause her untold pain and suffering and grief. Simeon not only knew Jesus was the Messiah, but he understood a little bit of what that meant. He realized there was conflict and pain in Mary's path. And Simeon shared his revelation with her, trying to give some understanding to her. Simeon had spent quite a bit of time learning about God, learning about his plan. And once he knew God's plan, Simeon chose to believe it. We cannot cling to God's promises if we don't know them. When God gave Simeon this promise, it was not a promise Simeon could make come to pass. He could do nothing except continue to serve and trust God and trust that God would bring it to pass. So let me ask you this. Why is it difficult to cling to the promises of God if we don't know them because we don't know the Scripture? Well, just like Simeon did, we must make the choice to believe God. It is a choice. The type of belief Simeon had, it did not come in a moment. He knew who God was. He knew God's plan before his plan was ever fulfilled. We must also, and we can through reading and learning his word. The Bible is how we learn about God. It's how we learn his plan, the promises he has for us. And the more we grow in God and follow his plan, the more understanding we receive from the word of God. God still speaks to people through his word. All we have to do is read and listen. Simeon wasn't alone. There was also a woman by the name of Anna. Anna was a great example of somebody whose life was blessed simply because she faithfully served God. We meet her also in Luke chapter 2 and also in the temple. Anna was a prophet in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Those are the Bible's words, not mine. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Anna had committed herself to do God's work. Women could not be priests, but widows could commit themselves to pray and fast in the temple. The scripture states that Anna was a prophetess, a bold statement for that time period. It indicates Anna was respected and acknowledged among her people as one who could hear from and speak for God. Anna was living the life of faith and the life of service God had called her to, and God blessed her when he allowed her to see the Messiah and see the promise fulfilled to her people. He also blessed her by allowing her to be a voice to share the good news of the Messiah's birth and arrival with others who faithfully awaited that very selfsame promise. In a society where women had very little voice, God gave Anna the privilege of announcing the fulfillment of this promise, which so many had been faithfully waiting. Just like Anna, each of us can faithfully wait for God's promise to come to pass. 
Anna experienced pain and loss at a young age. She was widowed after only seven years of marriage. But she did not allow this to distance her from God. She allowed this to draw her closer to him. Anna chose to follow God's plan to faithfully respond to his call. We can do the same. In fact, we really must do the same. We could allow pain and loss and disappointments to distance us, but we could also refuse to allow it, and we could allow it to draw us closer to God, ground ourselves in God's word, listen for God's voice, be led by God's spirit. By drawing closer to him, our faith will increase and will create an intimacy that calls us to wait on him, to faithfully wait on God. It won't be a chore anymore. It will be born out of a relationship where we trust him and a place of peace where we know the one we love will do what he promised to do. What does it mean to faithfully wait on God for his word to come to pass? Does it mean to do nothing and wait for God to do it all? Or does it mean to serve him faithfully, listen for his voice, do what we can do, and then trust that he will do what we cannot? Let's wrap this up. Each person in our lesson had to wait for God's word to come to pass. It started off with Joseph and Mary, who received instructions from an angel that she would bring forth the Messiah. Much of what they were told, it would take a lifetime to see it come to pass, but it did. They modeled faithful obedience and trust. And then there's Simeon. Simeon chose to believe the word of God and was told he would not die before receiving this promise. But he was not told how long he had to wait. We can infer from Scripture that Simeon was probably old. Not because scripture states it, but because Simeon stated that now he could die having seen the Messiah just as God promised. The statement is presented like a prayer request to let Simeon die in peace. It seems like he'd waited a while. And Anna, she served daily at the temple. She was at least 84 years old, possibly closer to 100, depending on which translation we read. Scripture states that she, along with others whom she went to tell, were waiting faithfully for the arrival of the promised Messiah. Scripture does not say Anna had received this promise to live until the arrival of the Messiah as Simeon had. She was simply serving faithfully and believing for this promise, whether she saw it in her lifetime or not. And finally, the Hebrew people, they had been waiting for their Messiah for hundreds of years. Many of them were hungry for a word from God and hoping for the Messiah, especially after 400 silent years of not hearing the voice of God. We know this because of their incredible response to John the Baptist preaching repentance. They came in droves to hear him. They repented. They were baptized by John in preparation for the coming Messiah. They believed God's word would come to pass. And just as God promised, he performed. Many times, God does not bring about his promises through only one person. Think about to our story with difficult Scotty. His mother prayed faithfully for God to reach her son, and she waited on God. God worked through people. God worked through events in Scotty's life to bring him to a specific place where others lived and were connected to Kendall and to the Pentecostal church nearby him. God spoke to Kendall and Levon about how he wanted them to serve. God spoke through and to the pastor to preach to Scotty. Finally, God showed his kindness and love through the body of Christ to reach out to Scotty when he came to church and through those six men who selflessly 
helped Scotty get baptized so his heart could be right with God. Scotty's heart was prepared by all of those events, all of that time, all of those people. So Scotty would respond to the Word of God and the Spirit of God through so many people simply faithfully serving God and waiting for God to do what He promised to do. God's Word is true. God's Word will come to pass. Every promise He's ever made you, you can trust Him. It will come to pass. Be encouraged through Scripture, through prayer, through testimony to faithfully wait on God. His Word will come to pass. I don't know what promise you're waiting on the Lord to perform today, but I would like to pray that God would give you the endurance, the faithfulness to wait on Him, to trust in Him, not to try to force anything, but to believe He will do what He promised to do, and His Word will come to pass. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for every promise you've ever made us, whether it's to save, to heal, whether it is to bring people back to you, whether it's to provide for us, whatever promise you've made us, certainly the promise to come back for a church. God, I thank you for every promise you have made us, and I am persuaded, as Abraham was, that what you have promised you are able also to perform. Help us not to be weary in well-doing. Help us not to faint. Help us not to lose heart. But help us, Jesus, to trust you and to wait on you faithfully. Help us, God, to hear your voice to follow after you, whatever you tell us to do, to faithfully do the will of God. Help us to be a light and a help to others like those were for Scotty. Help us, Jesus, to minister to other people who also are waiting for your promises to come to pass. We trust you. We will faithfully serve and wait on you. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice, follow your word, and do what you have called us to do. And I know, I know you will do what we cannot. I give you praise and honor and glory and thanks today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope this episode has been a help and blessing to you, and I hope that you have learned to faithfully wait on God and trust that His Word and His promise will indeed come to pass. If you'd like some more resources from God's Word for Life, you can find them at godswordforlife.faith. The link is there in the show notes. You can also get a look at what God's Word for Life is all about, all the different ways it can help you in your relationship with God, your devotion, your discipleship, and help you to disciple other people. It's all right there, godswordforlife.faith. Download those, take a look at those, and use those as ways to help you and others. Next week, our lesson is dated October 31st, 2021, and it is entitled, A Part of God's Plan, and it's all about our friend John the Baptist. We're going to take a look at him and the ministry God used him in. We're going to look at that next week. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you, and always looking forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.